live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleiner. We have almost for seven years been uh, on Mondays, West Coast time. We're coming from Grants Pass, Oregon, in Southern Oregon, in the most beautiful place in Earth, Southern Oregon on the famous Rogue River, wanting to tell you a story about water. Every week we're on here for all these years. Our guests come on that are exciting, that Polly Featherton gets us to be guests with their passion, their commitment, and their dedication. No one has ever been a guest on here that's not a dedicated, compassionate person about what they're doing, whether it be a Nobel Prize winner to the United Nations, we've been in Holland, we've been in all over the world, and here in the United States with all of the guests trying to teach us something in, uh, that might be questions to us or we think we have the answers and we didn't know the whole answer. But the power of water is the theme of the show. The theme of the show is the water that we must protect on the earth. There's 97% seawater, salt water, like a saline water. But we can't drink that. Fresh water is what we learned so far back that we can digest and it's healthy to drink, to replenish the cells. We have trillions and trillions of cells in our body. We must drink fresh water. The earth must have fresh water to survive. Put moisture in the air all naturally, that breath of life called humidity. Without fresh water, we would not exist. Do we want to become, all over this planet, a desert sand? And today, with Dr. Cecil, our guest, we're going to discuss Mars and the moon and our solar system. Do you want this planet Earth to become a desert? No. Water wars began long ago. We think that they're doing, the wars are because of ideology. They're terrified. It's the water. The tribes have been fighting over water for a long time. If you want to be cruel and inhumane and destruct a, a village or a society of people, just get rid of the fresh water. But guess what? There's only 3% of fresh water on earth and only 1% is usable. I'll repeat that. Water is critical to all life. Fresh water is critical to all life. 
out of 100%, there's only 3% for fresh water on Earth, but only 1% is usable. We need to join forces and every day dedicate ourselves to everything we can to demand that everyone out there representing us, our elected officials, everyone, to concentrate on the green everything, the environment of everything, priority water. You can have the windmills, you can have the solar systems, you can have everything you can imagine, but without fresh water and humidity, that breath of life on earth, there is no going to be life. Disease will be out of control first. And then the, the dehydration of the body will become out of control, which today we're trying to learn with that dehydration of the body, the trees, the roots, everything about life on this earth. What is happening with dehydration? Because we are being affected by dehydration, which is the moment you were born, you left the pocket of water of your mother, and you entered in the air we're breathing, that fresh moisture. That moment, you began to dehydrate. You didn't have the water around you anymore. You must be drinking 8 to 10 glasses of fresh water a day. No added sugar, no added nothing. Fresh water to replenish those cells. For you to be able to detoxify and fight diseases. And everything you can imagine can be used with water. Water is the primary source before food. So I want you to know how serious this show is. I'm starting here soon, and I've got, I'll soon be seven years. And, and we have been talking about fresh water. We are talking about your health and listening to the world to teach us, like a laboratory, of what we can do to be healthier and have a longevity of healthier lives. In the United States last week, it grew with a population of 44,428 people. In the United States of America, there are 314,583,120 people living here needing fresh water. Worldwide, the population grew last week by 1,485,459 people. Worldwide, we have a population of 7,044,000,000. 367,255 people needing fresh water. What do you think the wage of wars have been in other countries? Frightening. They need water. They're living on a sand. So now we're going to have today to be exploring what Dr. Cecil's been on here many times to give his time. Dr. Dwayne Cecil, Ph.D., is our guest today again, and we're going to learn from Dr. Cecil what is the current events on Mars, what is the Mars rover and Curiosity, what it's doing, events on the moon, and NASA's budget, that for some reason on this planet Earth, we keep forgetting to pass these budgets that these individuals need to explore the universe, to explore our planet Earth from out in the universe. It's vital. We are affecting the whole solar system because we have fresh water. We have water. So listen closely, but we're going to talk, we're going to listen to our sponsor. Biologic Aqua Research Center is the sponsor of our show. Nature Fears Eye Mist is the product to be able to mist the eyes. Did you know at the surface of your eye why you have vision impairments? and allergies and colds and all the things that go happen to you, the surface of your eye 
is a tear film, and it must maintain 99% water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product with fresh water to supplement the tear film without an eyedropper that could contaminate because I, at the end of the eyedropper, it's very not only inconvenient, it is a chemical, it has to go into a trauma to be able to apply that eye drop to the tear film because the tear film is not a chemical. It's, it's water, 199% water. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist to be able to supplement your eyes. We'll listen to our sponsor and be right back with Dr. Cecil. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? I am. I'm here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you taking time, and I want the audience to know that you're a Ph.D., and uh, your background has been with NASA, NOAA, and right now you're consulting with a company um, with what you're doing in North Carolina. And tell us what you're doing today, and we'll move into the subject and try to give our uh, audience an education about what is going on out there. Okay. Well, I'm uh, the program manager for a climate data record program using satellite, Earth-observing satellite data and in-situ observational systems. We're building climate data records that go back into the past 30 or 40 years to try to understand better what might be happening in the next two, five, ten years of climate change. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, at the past data to try to understand what, what might be happening in the future. And so I, I moved, retired from federal government in December and moved to Asheville, North Carolina, which is the home of the National Climatic Data Center. Most people don't know that we do have a National Climatic Data Center here in Asheville, North Carolina. It's been here for about 50 years now. Can you mention the name of that center? It's National Climatic Data Center. And that's what it's called, National Climatic Data Center. Well, definitely the climate has been on our minds, and I'm going to remind you all, including you, Dwayne, when Al Gore did what he did with global warming, and he got um, got an award in the movie industry, 
for uh, an Academy Award for global warming, everybody started noticing the climate, the global warming. And what is it? Is it global warming or are we having a climate change? Because Earth from the beginning had to be changing every moment. Which one is it, Dwayne? Well, I I prefer to talk about climate change. Um, and there's there's natural climate change, and there seems to be some evidence of of human uh, influence on on climate change, particularly in in large cities, mega cities. Mm-hmm. So I prefer to talk about climate change because there have okay. been natural cycles throughout the the historic record, the geologic record, both. Uh, in in uh, sediments in the bottoms of lakes, in ice cores and glaciers, in tree rings, there's been we, we have some solid evidence that there's been warming and cooling cycles. That because of human population far in the past, were natural cycles mm-hmm. uh, driven by our position with the sun and and the energy balance on the surface of the earth. And so there's natural cycles of of warming and cooling. So I prefer to talk about climate change. I appreciate that because I, you know, when you go to study water like I have, Dwayne, and I'm a novice compared to you, but when I began to study the common sense of Earth's beginning of life with fresh water, water and fresh water, the salt water and the fresh And then I came forward, and I look at my own life. Every year, there's been a change. Um, It's almost it's the most fascinating way to live with nature is wondering what the weather is going to be like that season, Hmm. wherever in the world we're at and what is happening. It's not always the same. And that's the nature of living, like you just said, in the solar system, of Earth being a, 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 a friendly um, planet to live within the system that's there. Uh, now, when we're talking climate change, what would you say to your audience worldwide why you believe it's climate change and, and not so, really what we would, we don't want to narrow in the word warming. Can we, what, how would you define climate change to the audience? Well, for me, you know, climate is what we expect and, and weather is what we get. And that's been said many times before by other people. But when you, when you look in the past 30 or 40 years during your lifetime and, and then you try to project into the future of what the weather, the average weather for your area is going to be, now you're starting to talk about climate. When you project out past weather events, uh, rainstorms, hurricanes, tornadoes, when you put that together over a long time period, and then you're talking about climate for a given area. And we've all seen it change where we live in our lifetimes. That, for instance, um, I grew up in, in Ohio, and when I was growing up, we had many days that we didn't make it to school because of large snowstorms in the winter and snowdrifts and lots of high winds. Well, that doesn't happen in Ohio. Very, very rarely, very, very occasionally does that happen. And it was a, it was a, something that happened regularly when I was growing up, when I was a, a, a kid going to school in Ohio. So that really is the climate changing. But when you follow the natural cycles and you, and you have these, these long, tough winters for, for decades, and then all of a sudden you don't have them for decades, it comes back around and you have them again. So it is cyclic, and, and there's a natural cycle to it. And so when you start looking at these kinds of things that you relate to weather events, snowstorms, tornadoes, hurricanes, rainstorms, and you look at them over long periods of time, now you're talking about climate. 
And so there's this, this fine line between our ability to be able to, to predict weather, and it's getting better and better thanks to, to satellite data and improved computer models and our improved understanding of how weather changes. We can predict weather now out seven to ten days with some a fairly good degree of accuracy. But when we try to project then climate out two years, ten years, twenty years, we don't have a lot of skill in our computer models and our observational systems to be able to, to really accurately predict what the climate's going to look like in 10 years, 15 years. And, and therein, in this country, is the rub in the public with, well, the climate scientists don't really know what it's going to be like, so why should I worry about the climate change? But what it all comes down to, and you've heard me say this before, what it comes down to is the availability of water resources to support agriculture and human populations is what most of us are, are concerned with. There's a lot of our society that's concerned with ecosystems and, and natural resources, but I mean, most of us sit down and think about our families and our communities and how are we going to grow them and, and help them sustain themselves. It comes down to fresh water, and that's agriculture, ecosystems, um, all of our livelihoods are based on on availability of water supplies. So we need to understand how the climate's changing and where our population centers are in relation to how that climate's changing because it does affect water availability. Exactly, exactly. Um, And and, and it won't be a crisis as long as we all work at it and together. And uh, I'm now, to bring up that fresh water again, other countries of the world who uh, had other priorities of survival did not consider saving fresh water. That was not their outlook because they were surviving in their villages or in their cultures and because they didn't have the availability to study the way you are representing in the United States. Here in the United States, NASA now, let's go into NASA. What was what is the influence of NASA in all of this to you? Well, NASA really is is because of the 1958 Space Act is is the research center in our government is the research center in the federal sector for Earth observations uh, from space and from the air, and so that kind of information gives us a global picture that we can start to build our regions and our communities into the global picture and how things are changing, and that's really as a, res- a result of NASA being given the mandate by the federal government to be the research arm of the federal government. You look at uh, agencies like NOAA, which, where I uh, am a contractor now, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the U.S. Geological Survey, they were mandated by Congress to have an operational element in their mission. And what that means is they were mandated by Congress to take research results and make operational products that are that can be used by society to to address societal questions. For instance, the National Weather Service is part of NOAA, and the National Weather Service takes research grade information, develops it into operational information, and provides daily weather forecasts for the nation. And, th- and that's absolutely key to our our economy. We all look at weather forecasts, and we all make jokes about the weather forecast, but. We all look at the weather forecast, whether we're, we're having a picnic on the weekend with our family or we're getting ready to take a trip or we want to ride our bicycles or we want to do something outdoors. 
Uh, all, Dwayne, you forgot oh. one. Women look at the weather and what they're going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did forget that one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, we all depend on that information. And, and mm-hmm. even if we joke about the, the weather forecasters can't get it right, and they're right half the time, they're wrong half the time. And when you start talking again about seven days to ten days to two-week forecasts, we don't have a lot of skill out that far in, in trying to forecast our weather, but we all depend on it. We all still read the newspaper. We listen to the weather in the evening news. Somehow in this country, we've got to get people feeling the same way about climate information. What's it going to be like in the next 90 days to two years in the seasonal forecasts? Our skill level is not real strong because we don't have a commitment in this nation to observational networks, to the satellites, to the in-situ networks. And given our economy right now, these are some things that even state, down to state and local governments cut out of their budgets, and these ob- wrong, observational right? networks. That is wrong because the priority of all of the leaders that we have elected that are our employees in the United States and throughout the world are there to be in a position for us to have a safe place to live and healthier, healthy and safe. And uh, the priority should be what you just said. We need to budget the NASA's, the NOAA's, all of these uh, uh, divisions of the country and the government that were there for us to be able to have a better place to live and have it there for the word eternity and not have it short-term by thousands of years, but have it there for eternity. Uh, now, I, when we think about water, um, when we go, when, a, when NASA goes out to space, they're studying all of that about water too. People forget almost like they're going out so we can learn to live on the moon or Mars. It's a study. People forget, Dwayne, they're studying out there. What, how are we living on this planet Earth with the rest of the solar system? They're not out there seeing if we all want to go on a vacation someday. I really think there's been a very serious lack of communication to educate our people and our political uh, people that we elect what the priority of nature is is why they go out there. Yeah, I, I really do. Education yeah. has been, it's almost like we're all going to be uh, uh, having fun and going on a trip like Richard Branson has and, and uh, Elon Musk, and we'll talk about that later, but uh, all these different people that are finding it it's fun to think about going to another planet to vacation. It's not what NASA and NOAA have been doing. Why aren't we budgeting to where we do, take care of our military uh, forces? We take care of a NASA and NOAA and all that is there to protect our futures. Priority priority for a better health and for the Earth to last for eternity, not just a few thousand more years. No, I, I agree with that, it, and it is a matter of priority. Um, somehow, sometime, somewhere in this country, we've got to, the leaders have to sit down and, and prioritize where it is we want to go with the country and, well, Dwayne, and plan accordingly. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt on something here real sure. quickly before I forget it. Somebody was mentioning how much it costs them to move um, the uh, endeavor to where it had to go. And then somebody said, why didn't they keep that in the – why did they do that Why until the company, country could afford it and keep that money in NASA's budget? That's a good question. That's a very good question. It was question. a very good question. 
And the other one, when they put in these billions of dollars for solar and windmills and all this green stuff, why don't they keep it in NASA's budget until we can afford to go out and branch out? We're not in the business of venture capitalists. No, we're not. We're in the business of a healthier planet, a long-term planet, and making it possible for people to fight diseases and live here and be healthy. Um, and it just, uh, the, the priorities of all these billions, of, uh, Cecil, all that, Dwayne, Dwayne, when we put in those billions of dollars toward that, all that other green stuff they called, they could have kept that in NASA. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and those it, companies went under because they're all, let's talk about the word green, they were all green behind the ears. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And they still don't with, with windmills and, in fact, I'm going to ask you real quickly. When you have a lot of windmills on Earth, wouldn't that change the climate? It absolutely does, at least locally, in, in the region of those wind farms. Well, wouldn't it have a, a, a reaction to different parts of the world? If, if we have pollution that reacts and human mm-hmm. life that reacts, mm-hmm. that's, dealing with, that's tampering with nature. Yeah, everything, everything's connected. So there's, yeah. going to, there's going to be some impact and some, some reaction to whatever we do as humans. Now, solar panels, probably not so much, I don't think. But all I could think about is when I think of those darn wind panels, uh, my, I said to my husband, I said, you know, I can't believe they expect this planet to have all of that change as a cloud system, change as a moisture system, when it's got to stay as nature as possible, but we need to learn what we can do with the nature of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But solar panels, I am uh, haven't found a thing yet. I think it's important. Uh, there's maybe much more on a solar panel to de- attract the moisture, the electrolytic ability for the air to give us the energy we need. I'm, I'm looking at that. But now back to everybody wanting to go out to outer space to go like what's happening with uh, Elon Musk uh, before we go on to Mars and the moon thing here we're going to discuss today. Um, Elon now launched uh, a SpaceX, I think it's called. Is it yes. SpaceX? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think about all of that? Because is his priority to study like NASA's, or why isn't he putting his money into NASA? Well, that's a good question. I mean, are the priorities to be profitable and build companies and build the economy? Or are the priorities to put our 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 resources into the federal sector with academic sector support and private sector support to develop? I mean, that's that's pretty much how NASA got to the moon the first time. It was a government commitment. Industry joined hands with the academic sector, joined hands with the federal sector, and we did it across this country. Uh, I mean, NASA, NASA led the way, but there was a lot of industry support and, and input and, and academic sector as well. So, again, it comes back, Sharon, to, to priorities. What are the priorities in this, in this country? Do we want to build the private sector and, and have the private sector really be the, the engine for driving the country? You mean we, in, in this exploration? In this exploration, in in space exploration, in right. anything, in right. industry, um, in in addressing societal issues, what are the priorities, and and do we want it to be a free market, open system, which is we've been very successful at in the past, or do we want, and I think the current administration is moving toward more toward. Um, more government involvement in in different parts of the the economy, 
Which way do we want to go, or do we want to have a mix? I I think we've had a mix in the past. But as the population of the world grows and the population of this country grows, these issues become larger and larger. How do we come up with the water resources and the energy resources to support a human population? That And I've said this to you before, that I've seen calculations that this planet can support a half a billion people living a Western lifestyle indefinitely. Well, we're at 7 billion, headed for 9 billion by the year 2035, and we all want to live a Western lifestyle, and we just, the resources on the, on the surface of this earth will not support the water resources and energy resor- resources. With current technology, we're having difficulties in, in trying to address societal issues and, and provide energy and water resources for the world's population. Now, what do you think about, uh, as soon as you said that, all of a sudden I started thinking of one of the greatest inventions to be made is what Singapore did to learn how to recycle water. It should be done all over the world. How do you recycle water? What is your thinking there? Well, I was involved in a United Nations-sponsored study several years ago that was led by uh, Dr. Cynthia Rosenzweig, who works with NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies at Columbia University in New York, and she led this team that looked at megacities around the world and how megacities, five million people or larger, are addressing climate change in their planning. And and every one of them has in their plans to capture water resources in in the cities and recycle water resources. Mm -hmm. And I think it's absolutely key, especially when you have these large population centers, I mean, the, we put very, we put a lot of talk into conservation in this country, but we put very little action and planning into conservation. I noticed. I've noticed. I've been studying nature for a long time too, and uh, I, I'm the common sense though, and uh, I cannot believe the way they go out like a, a, a circus of all kinds of acts to try to figure out which foundation, which grant, which subsidy would be giving them something to go study something. Mm-hmm. And nobody is coming together with a priority of fresh water. And then I noticed we had somebody on here about with, discussing um, Singapore. And it was so exciting, Dwayne. Uh, Singapore, as you know better than I, but uh, I've learned, had a contract, two contracts with Malaysia with a pipe bringing in water. Mm-hmm. And Singapore decided they didn't want to have to be dependent forever on Malaysia, just in case somebody might have a different outlook than they have in life. So the the one contract was coming up to be expired, and uh, they not only canceled both one because it was coming up to expire, but they've gotten so successful doing at their recycling of water, they, they even canceled the long-term one, because they're, they've figured it out. They've learned how to recycle their fresh water. Right, and they've, I mean, they've, co- they've combined that with desalinization and, and advanced planning. And, and they've, they've set it as a priority. And it's fun. It, it can become an exciting venture to live with nature. And it's like when the rain comes down, Cecil, don't you wish there was a way to save some of it and not let it all run to the ocean? Well, and, and that's, that's what a lot of these mega cities are doing. They're putting green roofs on their skyscrapers and, uh, skyscrapers and taller buildings, and they're capturing the rainwater and recycling it and recycling some of their 
uh, water in, in their sanitary loop. And Now, have you I ever mean, been to Japan? I have. Now, I when I flew into Japan, I had tears in my eyes. They're doing that, and they have for a long time, mm-hmm. what we call lawns on the roof, green roofs, and how to collect the water and how to do it on top of their roofs. I was just shocked. Yeah. And it's so sad about what happened with the tsunami and all of that because nowhere in the world are they more conscious of of nature and recycling and plant, proactive planning of uh, nature than the Japanese have been doing for so long. And then they got caught with this horrible nature problem with a tsunami. But uh, we're going to have a moment with our sponsor, Dwayne, and we're going to come back, and then you're going to teach us about what is happening with the moon and what is happening with Mars and why, are, why is one more important than the other. Okay. Okay, we're going to be right back. All right. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears IMS, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, uh, what is, the, the, what now we've got right now, uh, NASA's, uh, uh, with Mars is, as, uh, is exploring. Now, do they still, is, is it NASA or is that a private sector investment planning with a private investment side and NASA too? What is happening out there with, on, with Mars? The exploration, the exploration is going on right now. Well, at this point, it, it's still NASA-led, and, and they have academic sector partners from from universities that they fund to, to help them do this kind of exploration. And the mission that's on Mars right now is called Curiosity. Right. And the California Institute of Technology of Pasadena is one of the universities that's involved in that and there's several other universities but so this is it's a nasa funded uh nasa led uh mission at this point the, the, but there is discussion of private sector being involved in in trying to get humans to the planet mars but uh i, I found one of the things i found really exciting is you know they just discovered uh they have lasers on the instruments on on curiosity and they found a rock that they had not seen before on Mars. And it turns out that this is a, a type of basalt that is formed in, 
uh, here on on the Earth, at any rate, it's it's formed uh, in relatively high concentrations of water dissolved in in lava and magma, and we see it a lot in in ocean settings. And so they had not seen this kind of rock before on Mars, and so Curiosity has has seen that. So there's some evidence, perhaps, that at some point Mars had water on the surface. Mm-hmm. At least some evidence that the, of, of that at this point. So what do you think, uh, how long will the curiosity be there? Um, well, and, and I think, you know, that the plan is for that uh, rover and that instrument to be up there for as long as uh, the energy source on board lasts. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be uh, days, it could be months, it could be years. Okay. So, uh, that, that particular Mars rover will not be returning. It'll stay on the surface of Mars. And so we will just use it until the onboard energy sources run out and, and it stops sending images back and, and information back and the, and the scientists are collecting all that information daily. Mm-hmm. And what, have they found anything else that's of, uh, of interest to our listeners that, besides that rock? What, what, have they been finding anything else that's been a clue that could have been water? Um, they have seen on the surface, uh, in, in the, uh, the, the dust surface on Mars, they've seen uh, some evidence that perhaps there were, were uh, water channels, looks like runoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know there's ice caps uh, at, the, at the poles of Mars, much like there is on Earth. And so uh, what they're doing is really uh, doing detailed analysis of, of the soil and of the rocks and, and trying to understand. So you just called it a soil. Well, so there is a soil, or is it just dusty soil? Well, I, we would call it dusty soil. Dusty soil. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you say ice caps, you're not saying there are real. There's ice there. There was at one time ice caps. On the yes, on the poles of Mars, it uh, appears at least below the surface that there was some ice. Uh huh. And how long ago do you think? Did they ever say how long ago that might have been? Um, I have not seen that. Nothing yet. A number for that. Nothing yet. No. Okay. Now, the relationship of Mars and, and the fascination and the moon, what's the fascination? Now, I may, I'm going to sound very uh, common sense, though. What is the fascination with the moon for us to explore? Well, you know, it's a, absolutely is our, our closest neighbor, uh, and, and we all see it um, nightly on clear nights anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and it's our closest neighbor. We've actually been looking uh, at in some way at the moon for centuries with telescopes and uh, we actually had our first flyby uh, satellite circled the moon in 1959 so we've been really curious about our neighbor for hundreds of years and and we've been able to actually get very close to it and and be on the surface of it in the last couple decades but because it is our our closest neighbor we've, we've been fascinated with it for a long, long time. Now, what is the... Uh, okay, I'm going to sound common sense again. What is the... Uh, you know, everything in the solar system has a nature's plan, a, a plan of why it's there, what it's doing to uh, affect us. What is the effect of the moon to the planet Earth? What, what is it? What is the importance of the moon there? Well... And, and you just said yep. it's so close to us. What is the relationship there? Well, there's there's seasonal variations uh, with the with the moon. There's also uh, it controls our tides. Um, you know, our our gravity is, uh, and we don't 
fully understand it, but our gravity is is um, tied very closely to the moon's and, and the moon orbit, and it, it does control uh, tides in the ocean. Has it had, and does it have anything to do with our climate? Um, now, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, it absolutely, everything's connected, so it has to have some some influence on our climate. Um, again, uh, do we understand gravity's influence on our climate? That's something I haven't really thought about very much. Uh, there certainly has to be some some influence. Um, I'm not sure what it, the, the direct influence would be. Because mm-hmm. we've known that at night, when the night comes, you see the moon. And the moon has some relationship to what is happening at, when you get to see it at night, to what's happening to the air with the moisture in the air that you don't normally would have, you wouldn't normally have during daylight. Mm-hmm. And then during daylight, we don't really see the moon, but all of a sudden, we really see it at night, and then comes all of this moisture in the air, and you wake up in the morning with your lawns being wet, the brighter the moon is. Well, and, and you know, I'm sure as, as our atmosphere warms up and as we lose the polar ice caps and we lose uh, the Greenland ice sheet, and, and we are losing it at, at a faster rate than our models and our, and our observational data would have helped us predict, but as the surface of the ocean rises and the moon's gravity is influencing uh, the tides, that, that's definitely an impact in terms of, of a spinoff of climate change. The, the, the atmosphere is warming up, the polar ice caps and the Greenland ice sheet are, are melting, the sea surface is rising, the, the surface of the ocean is rising. Um, well, the, the moon's influence then becomes dramatic as, as we have places like Miami and New York City in this country, uh, large megacities like Sao Paulo, Brazil, that are, are at the ocean now, at, at, at ocean level. Uh, as the ocean rises and, and those tides are coming in and out, it becomes, uh, could be dramatic effects. Mm-hmm. Could be. And the moon, as it has, now you were just telling us that the moon is our neighbor and it has an, uh, obviously uh, an, uh, a relationship to Earth. And that's why with my world of studying water and the humidity and the breath of life we have with the humidity that is so vital to besides drinking water and having fresh water for agriculture and everyday living, but that breath of life called humidity is so important to people's organisms and all organisms on Earth to be able to, to live with that moisture coming to absorb into the body and to keep the body flexible. Also, is the moon, I've often wondered, because it creates uh, an influence on not only us, but also the relationship that we have as a planet with the rest of those neighbors around us uh, and, and uh, in the solar system. Is that possible, uh, that that moon is that important? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's it's really the balance in in our solar system. It's one of the balancing forces in our in our immediate solar system. Um, so now, the other planets that don't have they're not that ne- uh, close to the moon. Which what is just just off the cuff thinking? Oh, they're so far away from the moon. What do you, what type of planet what type of planet do you think they are? Well, I'm not sure I understand your question. Well, in other words, the relationship of the moon is, is close to us. But let's say there's other planets that are not close to the moon at all. 
what do you think uh, that how why is that planet even existing? Well, I mean, I shouldn't call it a planet, but yeah. that that uh, whatever it may be called, we've mm-hmm. got Mars, we have others. With any any one of them that's not close to the moon, what well, do you think is happening? Some of those, to some of the planets in our solar system have their own moons, so it's you know it's. It, you have to take each individual planet and its its orbit about. There, our that's sun. what I was after for you to say. Okay. All right. All right. You have to you have to look at them individually. And um, does our moon influence the the gravity or the gravitational pull of other planets in our solar system? There we go. It mm-hmm. does, but mm-hmm. uh, but okay. how much? Um, very very little. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as much as it as influences. And how many moons our, do you think that are out there? Uh, infinite, infinite number of moons. You're talking about the, the entire universe. Wow. Um, now, do they have the same relationship with 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 their planets that they're orbiting that our moon has with our Earth? Uh, as far as as I know, and as far as I've been able to to ascertain, looking at, at information, is that it's a pretty unique uh, situation: the Earth and the Moon, the way the way they're orbiting each other and the influence they have on each other. And could you, you think that's what maybe, and I'm just throwing out there again, that the influence that Earth has the water and the moon, its relationship to the water that Earth has? Oh, there's definitely some, some interdependencies there. Okay. Uh, that's what absolutely. I was wondering. If absolutely. Yeah. Now, back to this planet Earth and the miracle of all miracles of all of us living here, and you and I can sit here with all this new technology and advancements to, that our forefathers made possible today and ha- to do what we're even doing today. What do you think is going to happen if we do not prioritize there right now? You know, we're all saying this cannot go on. We've got to start prioritizing where the money is spent. You know, Dwayne, I've studied intellectual property values. And to me, an intellectual property value to every country, every county, every city, every community is their water, their fresh water. It's a value to them. They've got to start finding that if money is the only way that anybody ever looks at what is valuable, Mm -hmm. and it's the money, it's going to be the way it is forever, is um, what do you think is in your mind is is going to happen when they're not prioritizing fresh water. They're putting windmills before the fresh water. Well, I I I'd go a little bit further and say at least in this country that that profits and and growth and and uh, um, a strong economy are priorities over most social issues over over overpopulation over uh, food resources water resources. Um, I have a, I don't want to say it's a fear, but I have a concern that um, if we don't, on a global scale, start addressing overpopulation and fresh water resources, that we're, we're setting ourselves up for uh, some some situations that uh, we don't want to we don't want to have to face as a human population on this. Well, that situation might be what's happening right now, possibly. As I'm going to put that in every all of your thinking, is all this horrible rampant disease, technology and and research and the medical field. Where did it go? Well, I think and that I've comes said back to my population. I have said, 
if we don't study the dehydration of everything, and that means water loss for everything. I don't care if it's a blade of grass, the leaf, animals, uh, human life, everything, the moisture in the air has to be studied. The word dehydration, getting back into the vocabulary of saving, because it all comes right back to fresh water. Dehydration. And the diseases, you wake up every day, all of us in research, and uh, those that are dedicated behind in the laboratories with all this grant money, all this foundation money, and the people who give them the money are saying, you've got to go look for this. This is what we're paying you to do. Well, the thing about it, what I'm finding is we're still not conquering all these diseases. Are Young children, young people having strokes. Young people going blind. Mm-hmm. We have, they, you know, we talk about the older people when you dehydrate from birth and you get dehydrated every day to when we pass away, we dehydrated to death. That's our life cycle is dehydration. But today they're not, uh, we're, we're, our priorities are, are just absolutely amazing to me, life-threatening to me. They are. I agree. I life-threatening. Agree. And fresh water, Dwayne, I mean, uh, people would say, you have a show called Power of Water? <laughs> and, of course, we bring people in, Dwayne, talking about nutrition. Well, water and nutrition. I've had shows about the teas of the world and all the way back 5,000 years ago with China and tea. Why did I do that? Because water was going bad in foreign countries of the world, and they were drinking beer and alcohol, even the children, because they didn't have safe water. So they found out that in this continent of China, they were boiling the water to, to have tea to drink. So, of course, everything I do is stress. What is stress? Dehydrating to death with stress. Your, your stress would be the first to affect you. Mm-hmm. So all of the subjects that I've had here, uh, and excited to, for you to take your time with us, uh, has always been, what are we going to do to get away from the, uh, uh, well, moving the, uh, to, to move the, uh, ex- uh, the, uh, the shuttle all the way across America mm-hmm. with that money that could have gone to NASA. Yep. And our our uh, our private enterprise is important to me. I do believe in that. I do believe in private enterprise, but they could even be partnering with NASA. It, they are, and that, you know, that's uh, SpaceX. That's a good example of of private industry partnering with NASA. But let me say a couple things. You said early on in the introduction of this hour that ninety seven percent of the uh, water at the surface of the Earth is salt water. Three percent is fresh water, and of that three percent, about one percent is usable. And I, I saw some other statistics that that are, I think are alarming. That one third of the human population on the surface of the Earth does not have access to fresh water. So think about that. If only one percent of our fresh water on the surface of the Earth is usable, and right now a third of the population doesn't have access to that 1% of fresh water. That 1% of fresh water is not going to go up by very much. Even no, if we no. figure out desalinization, it's not going to go up very much. But the population continues to grow. And I've said it many, many times before that our priorities are out of order, that we have to start, number one, addressing overpopulation, and number two, address freshwater resources. And what I'd like to do the next time that we, we visit together, Sharon, is I'd like to talk about some examples 
from small communities to mega cities, specific examples of how people are beginning as communities to address these the overpopulation and the water resources. And there are some examples out there, and I'd really like to, to spend an hour with you talking about these specific examples. Exactly, so that we can start understanding why this is such a priority and what is happening here because I have found, and I you know, uh, uh, people, uh, we're back to what you said. Isn't it strange if water is your life and everything surrounds with fresh water, why aren't our priorities every day, not the windmills, but water issues, and do like Singapore did and other countries of the world who started studying about how important it was, it is, to have water for agriculture, but you can't have fresh water to drink. You're made up of trillions of cells, and those cells have to be replenished, detoxified. Then your body must have a particular temperature that water, fresh water gives you to be able to attract a healthy amount of humidity in the air, that water in the air called breath of life, to be able to detoxify and keep you healthy. And uh, if we didn't have this fresh water in these communities and uh, and helping to fight the diseases, we're going to, this is going to all blow up someday. Oh, sure, the bumper sticker, Dwayne will say, I'm taking it with me. Uh, do you remember in the old days when those bumper stickers said, I'm not leaving anything, I'm taking it with me? Yes. And I said to myself, with my, what I do with every day, and I have millions of dollars into what I do, and I've always said that one day when I finally get to breathe and I finally have people hired to help me run my company, uh, the priority is saving 5,000 children dying a day because they don't have the water you just said. Mm -hmm. The other one is bringing a priority of what you just said. Bring the world together like they're doing in um, Sweden, but bring the world together and think about the air we're living in, the fresh water that is necessary, and and force the issues of priority so that we can then begin, all of us, including yourself and everybody involved, of the priority we insist is fresh water on the planet Earth. And yeah. bring, bring, it, bring it home. <laughs> well, there, there are some spe- specific examples that I, I'd like to, to chat with you about the next time we get together. For instance, Dubuque, Iowa, what they're doing there to, to make their citizens more aware of, of the benefits of conservation and how... Dependent we are on on safe, clean drinking water supply. And everybody work together. It's, it's something uh, I'm out of time, but the government is there hired to be able to find out and investigate for us what we need to learn. We need the private sector to be included into that big time because the private sector are the manpower to help it go a little swifter because the private sector can be the legs on the ground because there's only so, so many people that can be hired. So, But I want to thank you for joining us. I'll have Polly, Polly get a hold of you oh, at your convenience. And please let's, please. let's set the subject matter next time of just what you said. What is the priority today of water and where? Yep, let's do that. Well, thank you for joining us, and you you. have a nice day, and tell everyone I said hello. I will. Thank you. Thank you. You have a nice day. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. Well, we had a very good show today, and I want you to know that I truly believe that this show will make a difference one day. And I know I'm only on one day a week for the time that I have available to me is on the West Coast, 10 to 11, We've, we've stuck to our issues. We've stuck to, stuck 
to the we've been dedicated to the proactive side of health issues. But always remember, I started this show, and I'm sorry I only do it one day, uh, hour a week. I will have more time in time. I did it to save those 5,000 children dying a day that we do not want accepted. And the other one is this planet Earth. We want to be there forever, for eternity. But it will take a priority of fresh water. I want to thank you for listening today. Embrace your life, but also embrace somebody else's life. And when I say that, we had a little girl who passed away, was kidnapped recently here in the United States, Jessica. And I want everybody to stop and take a little moment to think about our children and everybody who are being abused and their lives taken away because somebody doesn't want to believe that their lives should be embraced and they're valuable. I think it's time we started looking at that. So my thoughts are there with her family and all of her friends. Jessica is a very important person to be embraced. But Earth whispers, and I always say this, Earth is whispering to you and to me, don't say goodbye. Be concerning about other life and be concerned about our lifestyle, life on this planet. Don't take it with you because there is a heaven and an earth. I want to thank you for listening. You have a very special day that's left, and I want you to be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk.